0: All right, Jeremiah chapter 23, Jeremiah chapter 23. I I did learn something that um, you're not supposed to start a sermon that way. I'm not supposed to start a sermon by saying, let's open our Bibles to Jeremiah chapter 23. In fact, this is what I learned. Listen carefully. If you heard that there was one mistake that you were making week in and week out, and that one mistake was dramatically hindering the effectiveness of your preaching, would you want to know what that one mistake was? Or if you heard that there's something that you've been doing for years that it was causing a large number of your people in your congregation to tune out and start daydreaming about the rest of their day or week during your message, would you want to know what that one mistake was? If you do, then you just discovered what that one mistake is. Over the past three decades, I've listened to hundreds of preachers, speakers, and teachers. And the number one mistake that they almost all make, and this even includes pastors of large churches, is they don't hook their congregation or audience in the first few minutes. Why? Because like experts in any field, they believe they know what the people they know what the people listening to them need to hear. Just think through your own process of deciding what to preach on. If you're like most preachers, you have one of these three three primary processes. Number 1, what do I feel like speaking on? Number 2, what book of the Bible or topic haven't I spoke on spoken on recently? Number 3, what are other preachers speaking on? i.e., you reference other pastors, podcasts, or websites. What do you notice about all three of these approaches? Not one of them starts with the people. You should start with the people you're going to speak to, and that's, that's the, I guess, the beginning to fixing the mistake that pastors make, and I guess including myself. They go on to say, I've taught communication for years and I'm guessing you have too. So I'm pretty sure you'd never tell anyone that communication is all about what you want to say. Communication 101 is about you and me considering the person or people you're going to be speaking to and based on whom they are and what's going on in their world, deciding what we should, what we should to say to them. In other words, we start with them. Not us. So I shouldn't be starting with me. I should be starting with you guys. And uh, I should start out a message with, and starting a message without creating a hook is really hubris. You think about it, it's based on the belief that I'm the preacher, I'm speaking, therefore they should listen. That's just a bad strategy. And it's what gives you the typical content-oriented introduction. Here is the typical, uh, this is the typical, uh, the typical content oriented introduction. All right, here's how it works. You ready? Good morning. I would like all of you to open your Bibles and turn to the book of Ezekiel chapter 37. Let's begin by reading verse one. That's the typical uh, content oriented introduction. And they say that is completely wrong. And they said that, that's the introduction of a preacher who starts with what they want to say. There's no hook, no connection to the people who are listening that day. It's, here's the Bible, or here's what I want to say. And they say, you should not do that. You, I, I should not do that in any way, shape, or form. I should have a hook. Well, I, I typically don't have a hook. I, do, I typically don't. I, I understand from a communication standpoint... Why you would do that, to me, the problem is it places who in charge of the preaching? The people in charge of the preaching, Okay, The other way puts who in charge of the preaching? Puts the pastor in charge of the preaching, right? And to me, I would think because the church is primarily designed, in fact, the, the, the ministry of the church is designed to focus on whom? Believers, Right? So if believers are here, this and I know this is the naive approach, but I've always approached it from the fact that, well, then you want to be here to learn what? God's word. So I don't need to give you a hook. The hook should be open up your Bibles to Jeremiah 23. That should be the hook. But it doesn't work that way. Because whether people in the pew, whether whatever, they, they all say, for the most part people in the pew know the right words to say. I'm here for God's word. I just want a sermon. I want to study scripture. But we all know because there's too many studies and you can just look at it the way it works. The, the churches that have larger audiences are the are the pastors who don't follow open up your bibles to Jeremiah chapter 37 or Jeremiah 23, right? It's going to be they've going to have a that hook. They're going to they're using those communication methods, right? Because those communication methods are tried and true. And guess what? They work on people who are believers and they work on people who aren't believers. Because the people in the pew are just like the people not in the pew. And guess what? The way to get the people in the pew interested is to Hook them, give them. You gotta, you gotta do, you gotta do, you gotta tell stories. You gotta tell illustrations. You gotta make eye contact. You gotta be funny. You gotta, you're, you you got to use all of these. You gotta use all of those methods. And, and, and the people in the pew will say no, no, no. But it's, it's yes, yes, yes. That's really what they want. And so it's kind of, it's kind of frustrating. But yeah, that came from a, a Christian ministry trying to help pastors fix their preaching. And I was like, well. Here and just at, when I saw that late last night, I was like, well, in the morning, I'll be telling everyone to open up their Bibles and turn to Jeremiah 23. So I guess I, I, need, a, I need a hook. I need a hook. I, I don't know what the hook is, right? I, okay, I, I, I guess, was that the hook? I, I don't know. I don't have a hook, but here we go. Jeremiah chapter 23. All right, so starting today till the end of August, everything I do. From here, well, I may take a little break this afternoon and around 3 p.m. i got to finish the next law and gospel uh, situation that I'm working on. So if I can get that finished, basically this morning, the next hour, tonight... And then every, I don't know, it's going to be like every hour, it's going to be like a marathon starting on Monday, hour after hour from now to the end of August, it's going to be Jeremiah, 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 because I have to go from chapter 30 to chapter, what, 51, 52, how many chapters, 53, 52, 52, right, 52 chapters, so I got to go to 30 to 52 by the end of August, all right. That is a lot, so it's going to be hour after hour after hour in Jeremiah. Um, I, I did twenty through twenty nine relatively quick, so if I if I can get through the rest, as far as what we do here, we'll we'll be. I'm going to try to go from. I'm going to try to get to all the way to the end of the book, probably primarily on the pro- podcast, but then we'll we'll try to get at least as close as we can here and try to finish up any chapters that I feel that we need to or that I think stands out, but even though I should probably just jump directly to Jeremiah 24, I cannot jump to Jeremiah 24. I know we've covered most of everything in Jeremiah 23, but I cannot jump to Jeremiah 24 because this first hour, we're going to deal with a major, major problem in the book of Jeremiah. And I've hinted at this problem. I've hinted at it. But now we're just going to have to deal with it. And, it's, and nobody's going to like it. Pastors don't talk about it. But it's just, it's a problem. So we know this, when we read this far, we are 23 chapters into the book of Jeremiah, right? Okay, I'm going to pretend that you remember something, okay? Hopefully you remember this. Jeremiah is a message to whom primarily? Judah. And the message is, you've sinned, judgment is coming, and that judgment will include, obviously it's going to include some death. And some being carried away into captivity for 70 years. And they're going to be going into captivity to whom? Babylon. Babylon. Okay, so good, we're done. Well, That concludes the book of Jeremiah. We're finished. Okay, so everyone knows that message. It's simple, it's straightforward, right? Now, when you look at it, you're, part of you, I mean, typically it's preached like, hey, see all these bad things they did? I think you would agree this is how most pastors preach this. See all these bad things they did? Hey, guys, stop doing those bad things or you're going to get punished somehow. That's basically how it's preached, right? Okay, the more I read Jeremiah, the more I read it and read it and read it and listen to sermons on it, I sit there and go, I don't understand this. This makes no sense because You're sitting there knowing if God knows these people are going into captivity, if he knows they're going to be judged, isn't there some way to fix this, right? Isn't there some way? And we've kind of talked about this problem a little bit, but I think the problem even goes a little deeper. So let's do this, all right? First, the book of Jeremiah, I think it's fair to say, three groups of people are condemned in the book of Jeremiah, right? And can we identify these three groups of people? We see, we we read about them a little bit. At least one group in Jeremiah chapter twenty-three, right at the beginning. Correct? I mean, we've already identified these like fifteen times now in in the study. But if you don't remember, Jeremiah chapter twenty-three, verse one: Woe be unto the pastors that destroy and scatter the sheep of my, past- my pasture, saith the Lord. Right now, we identified who these pastors are. Right, who are these pastors? These are the bad kings mentioned where, chapter twenty-two. Right, and remember, everybody remember those kings. I'm not going to go back and see if you remember them, but I reviewed that like five hundred times. Okay, the, these are the bad kings. So we 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 kind of reduce. We kind of made a more general statement. These are the civil leaders. The civil leaders are mentioned multiple times in Jeremiah, are they not? I mean, chapter 22 is all about four of them, correct? All right. So the civil leaders, the civil leaders are condemned. These are the kings. They are condemned over and over. Sometimes they are mentioned specifically by name. Yes. All right. Next, who is the next group of people who are condemned over and over and over in the book of Jeremiah? Right? Well, we see them mentioned right here in the book of Jeremiah, right? Look at Jeremiah 23, starting at verse 9. Mine heart within me is broken because of the prophets. We have the religious leaders. Sometimes they're called prophets. What what is another designation given in the book of Jeremiah for them? Priest. The prophets and the priest. So we have the civil leaders. We have the religious leaders. All being condemned. And there is a third group that is condemned. All right, the people, right? I mean, obviously the people are going into captivity, correct? Okay, so you got three groups of people. They're all going to be condemned. Now, when we read this, I, I mean, I don't know how you read, but when I read, I'm sitting there thinking, I mean, whenever I read a novel or anything else, or even if you're watching a movie, you're supposed to somehow find some kind of an emotional connection to the people. And you're like, oh, I w- don't do that. Or, oh, I wish this would happen. And, you, and you're kind of like, you're kind of rooting or cheering for the people. I think sometimes as Christians, when we read the Bible and people get judged, we don't really root for them or cheer for them. We almost kind of like, you're getting what you deserve. I mean, how do you read it when you read it? I mean, do you, I mean, I guess some, sometimes Christians don't even have emotional reactions to what they read in the Bible, which is weird. I don't, I don't never, never understand that. When you read about them, do you have any emotional connection to them at all? I mean, you can be honest. If you don't, that's okay. Right? Sometimes I got one. Sometimes. Okay. All right. All right. Okay. Well, sorrow's good, right? Sorrow is good if you have sorrow. I think. I think sometimes we almost like you're going to get what you're going to deserve. Sometimes we may be like, "What is wrong with you people?" Just listen, right? And then in the minute you say that, well, then you you kind of saying that to yourself, right? So, so I I just think there's some different reactions. But at least for me, I, I, I my my kind of approach is, "Hey God, couldn't you fix the problem?" Like, why do people have to die? People are going to die. Children are going to die. People are going to suffer. Like We're not talking just some generic group. These are human beings who are about to suffer. And you're kind of like, well, God, could you, could you fix the situation? So, But these three groups are going to be judged. Now, all three groups are condemned for their sin, for their idolatry, for their rebellion. And I think we can see over and over, they're also being condemned because they reject the message of Jeremiah, right? Now that transitions into then a very important question. How did God speak to Jeremiah? How did, he, how did he speak to Jeremiah? I don't know, I'm asking you. How did he speak to Jeremiah? Go to 24.1. I'll, 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 I'll answer part of the question for you. If you, if you haven't been reading Jeremiah... 24-1, what, okay, is that an object lesson, what, what happens in 24-1? All right, most believe, at least here, that this is some kind of a vision, all right? So we would say in one way, Jeremiah, God speaks to Jeremiah at least in one way, How? A vision. And we remember, we've seen this in other places. He does use object lessons, but he shows him these object lessons. Now, sometimes we think that he's like literally showing him a physical object, right? Other times you're like, well, that doesn't seem to make that it sounds like a physical object. So we think there's at least the possibility that visions are occurring. Jeremiah is giving very specific visions, all right? What are some other ways do you think God is speaking to Jeremiah? I mean, you've got the book open. You can just go look at any passage anywhere where it talks about the word coming to Jeremiah. You can, okay, all right. Someone said audibly. Do you, do, does everyone agree that there's a high probability that God spoke audibly because he seems to quote God directly? Does he not? All right. So there's a possible audible revelation. So there's a a visual revelation. There's an audible revelation, and then we can at least we can at least entertain the idea. then maybe God just put the words into the mind of Jeremiah, but Jeremiah knew without a doubt that it was the words of God, all right? So we'll say, I don't know how we'll say this, visual and audible, and we'll say some kind of an internal way, okay? Some kind of internal way. Three ways. Now, the minute you see how God reveals things to Jeremiah, what good question should any reasonable Bible student asks themselves? Good, at least someone asked the question. Well, wait a minute. If he spoke directly to Jeremiah in this way, well, why didn't he just speak to the rest of the the kings, the priests, the prophets, and the people? And then this problem probably could have been done away with how quickly. Exactly. So let's at least consider the possible ways that God spoke to these groups of people. Let's at least consider some ways. All right. How did God speak to these three groups? All right. All right. Um, well, I'm just, we'll go through some possible ways. Ready? Here's number one. He spoke to them the same way he spoke to Jeremiah. Yeah, right, yeah. How did he, how did, okay, let me make sure I'm clear on this, right? If God spoke to Jeremiah on what three ways? Visions, audible, and possibly some kind of internally. Why didn't he speak to the people the exact same way? Now, when I say the people, what three groups of people have we identified? the kings, Okay, the religious leaders and the people, if he would have spoken to them the exact same way he spoke to Jeremiah, what would be the basic assumption that you would draw as a Bible student? You'd think that the outcome would have been different, right? Right? Okay. So, how did he speak to the, how did he speak to these three groups of people? Well, let's just go. We're going to do a little speculating here. We'll use some text maybe to try to determine this. And you can obviously look. I mean, it's open book. You can use, you can look anything you want to as well. So here we go. My first possible option here, my first thought here, my first suggestion is that God spoke to them the exact same way as he spoke to Jeremiah. Now, this is an assumption. He spoke to them the exact same way. Now, we can test this hypothesis. All right? I think there's a a couple of problems with this hypothesis. But we'll at least throw it out there. All right? Number one, it doesn't seem to be there's any record of that happening. Right? I I don't know if there's a record of him speaking directly to them. Now, you could argue, well, wait a minute. Did, is there, is there any record of him speaking possibly to the kings in any specific way like that? I don't know. He spoke to David, it seems, in a very direct way, right? He seemed to have spoken to Solomon in a pretty direct way, right? So then, did he speak to these kings? Like, well, could you build an argument that he did speak to these kings that way? We, we know there's one good king, right? That, that's mentioned here in Jeremiah. Josiah, okay. Now, jo- Josiah instituted reforms to try to correct the people, right? Do we have a record of those when he instituted those reforms in the Bible? Okay, we'll find it. Well, we're, we're, start, we're, we're going to start with the first one. The first, well, well, we'll go through all the options. But the first option is he spoke to them exactly like he spoke to Jeremiah. So find where Josiah instituted the reforms and what motivated those reforms. Does it say God spoke to him? Does it say God talked to him? Does it say God showed him? Does it offer any of the same ways that he spoke to Jeremiah? I think this is a very important concept here. And you see what I'm doing. I'm, I'm, we're in Jeremiah 23. I hope if, you, if you're not catching on, we're in Jeremiah 23, but what we're doing is we're looking at a concept that impacts your understanding of the entire book. All right? So that's why we're doing this. Right? You may feel like, well, we just need to move on. This covers really the entire book, if you really think about this. Do we read where Josiah institutes any reforms to correct the people, get rid of the Id- idols? 2 Kings 22. Do you have a verse there that says what motivates him to do so? Okay, right. Okay, that's 2 Chronicles 34. 34 three, yeah. Okay, well, let's look at it. 2 Chronicles 34.3. For in the eighth year of his reign, while he was yet young, he began to seek after God of David his father. And in the twelfth year, he began to purge Judah and Jerusalem from the high places and the groves and the, and the uh, carved images and the molten images. Right? It just says he sought God. It doesn't say how God possibly communicates in any way, shape, or form. All right. He walked after the way. So we don't really have any direct thing that he was being given some kind of special revelation. Now, we do have examples of kings that were. Obviously, David was, right? Obviously, Solomon was. So we know sometimes the kings were spoken to that way. All right? He asked the priest to go inquire of God. So meaning That would seem to imply that God was then not speaking what? Directly to Josiah, Okay. So, because if he's asking the priest to go inquire, then obviously God's not speaking directly to him. So, that doesn't seem to, we don't seem to have, I think we can be, I think it's safe to say, we don't seem to have any indication that in Jeremiah, that God is speaking directly to the civil leaders. Can we agree with that? All right. Is, Is that, is that, that kind of throws that out? Okay, yeah, well, those are not in Jeremiah. They have nothing to do with Jeremiah. Okay, all right. Now, go to back to Jeremiah. Did, did I say something there? Is everybody good with that? Okay, now go back to Jeremiah 23. We'll, we'll repeat this numerous times. Right? Uh, Jeremiah chapter 23. And look at when he starts referring to the prophets. Right? Okay, where do we, how, where, what chapter do we, or where, what verse do we want to start with? Um. Look at verse 21. We'll just start in verse 21. We could probably go further back, but okay, we'll, we'll at least start here, all right? Uh, if you go to 16, he says, Thus saith the Lord of hosts, Hearken not unto the words of the prophets that prophesy unto you. They make you vain. They speak a vision of their, and not out of the mouth of the Lord. Now, wait a minute. This really gets confusing. That's Jeremiah twenty-three sixteen? Okay, all right. Jeremiah 23, 16. Now, okay, so I want to make sure everybody read that again. I want to make sure we're all on the same page here. Thus saith the Lord of hosts. Now, this is a God, this is a word directly from God, right? Hearken not unto the words of the prophets that prophesy unto you. They make you vain. They speak vision of their own heart and not out of the mouth of the Lord. Now, this gets really perplexing. This would seem to, we can kind of, I think we can kind of discover God was not speaking to the civil leaders during this time. Can we agree? At least we think we're pretty safe on that. Yes? He wasn't speaking to the prophets. Then what's the point of having prophets? But I'm just saying God can fix that. If if he's not going to speak to the prophets, then how are you going to fix the problem? Well, I mean, for the priest, it does, right? Well, they were supposed to be carrying on, but I'm just saying in this case, in this situation, I want to make sure everybody understands the problem, okay? I know our, our Christian minds sometimes have a hard time seeing problems in the text. Is God upset with them? Yes. All right, there's two groups that speak to the people, right? You have civil leaders, The civil leaders are literally making the laws. We know in the Old Testament, What what, can the civil leaders fix the idolatry problem? Yeah, well, they can fix the idolatry problem. They can outlaw it, ban it, and burn all of them down and destroy it, right? It doesn't fix it from the heart, but they can at least be, I mean, because Josiah is seen as a king that was doing what? The right thing, Right? The Bible says he did the right thing. Yes? All right. So these kings could be instituting reform to at least do what? Restrain the evil and possibly follow God. In many cases, these kings are trying to do what? Not go after God. They're trying to make alliances with with uh, other nations. They're not supposed to. God could speak to them directly and stop this. Does God speak to the kings? No. Now, the next group... It would, are, are supposed to be speaking to the people on behalf of God. And they are the, the prophets. And right here in Jeremiah 23, we find out that they are speaking, but who is not speaking to them? That is, does not everyone understand that? that, that does that not bother anybody else? So this is where I never understand the Christian world. Because most Christians, are like, I don't see a problem. I see, that, that makes my brain melt. Speak to the kings, speak to the prophets, and you have a high probability of doing what? Of avoiding people having to die. (laughs) Okay, that's a problem to me. I know, I know, maybe in church that that we we have no problem. Well, hey, no big deal. People die; it's not my problem. I have a problem here, right? Um, in in chapter twenty-three, verse fifteen. Therefore, thus saith the Lord, O's concerning the prophets. Behold, I will feed them like wormwood and make them drink the water. That's not putting their words. That's him punishing them. Yeah, I'm saying he's not. I mean, he makes it very clear. I didn't send them. I did not speak to them. If you read all of chapter 23 over and over, look at verse 21. I have not sent these prophets, yet they ran. I have not spoken to them. 23, uh, 21. Everybody see that? Everybody see 23, 21? And I have not spoken to them yet. They prophesied. Right? Does, does everyone, I'm, I'm, I'm feeling like I'm losing everyone here. Does everyone see the problem? The people are going to be judged. Yes. Everyone's going to be judged. Yes. Okay. Now, what should we want to happen? We don't want the people to be, if you're reading this, like if you read the book like you read any book, should you not be like, oh man, oh, there's got to be some way these people can be spared. There's got to be some way these people can be saved. Have we not read how bad it's going to be? Their bodies are going to be strung across the land like dung. Remember all the horrible things we've read in Jeremiah? Do you not? I, you don't want that to happen to human beings, do you? All right, so you like, okay, all right. So how, who can, in this story, who can be the hero to rescue them? God. Okay, all right. What is God what would be a first step in trying to rescue the people? Speak to them, okay, right? So, who can he speak to first? The kings. Who can he speak to second? The prophets. Who did he not speak to? Neither. All right? So, you can you can you the first possible is he spoke to them, but they would not listen. That does not seem to be happening, right? Well, hang on, we'll, we'll, we got to go through each one, we got to go through each one, right? So there's no record of that happening, correct? All right, in fact, the, 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 the text actually seems to argue against this, agreed? All right, the, and the second problem with this is, if God was speaking to them the same way he was speaking to Jeremiah, then why send Jeremiah to them? Agreed? So can we take the first possible option? that God spoke to the people the same way he spoke to Jeremiah, can we say that hypothesis fails? All right, are we in agreement there? All right, now, once that hypothesis fails, you should feel the weight of that. I know in church you're not supposed to feel the weight of it. In church you're just supposed to go, oh, well, no big deal, who cares, people die. I don't know how Christians can be so cold and heartless, but you should be like, that makes no sense. But you're not supposed to say that because in church everything's supposed to make, God can kill anybody. We're just supposed to be like, that's good. Okay, I don't know why we do that. Because regular people who read this are going to have questions, right? Sometimes it's what blows my mind. Christians read the Bible and their reaction to it is different than any other normal person reading a book. right? If we were to read a book of another religion, we would be like, your God is messed up. Your God. We would, we would criticize it, would we not? But when it's the Bible, what do we do? We're not even supposed to ask these questions in church. But we have to. If we're going to understand the book of Jeremiah, this, I want to make sure you understand, this is an overarching problem that starts where? Okay, Well, it's, for the book of Jeremiah it starts in Jeremiah chapter 1, and it goes all the way to the end. I want us to deal with I want you to see this problem because it's it's important to understanding the entire book. All right? So, hypothesis number 1 or the first possible way God was speaking to these groups is he spoke to them the same way he did Jeremiah. And what can we say for this possible option? It's not true. It's not true. There's no way. Right? There's no there doesn't seem to be any indication he was speaking to them the exact same way. And even if you can find one person or two people, clearly it's not the norm. And even if he was speaking to all the people this way, then the ultimate question is, why is he sending Jeremiah to them in the first place? All right? So that's good. Number two. All right? Here is a second possible option. This one is much more probable, and this one may help us a little bit philosophically. This may help us a little bit. All right? He spoke had and is speaking to the civil leaders, the prophets, the priests, and the people through the past revelation. Through the past revelation. And that past revelation will put place them in three, will put the past revelation in three groups, or three categories, all right? The past revelation, three categories of the past revelation. You ready? The Ten Commandments. Now, we would agree that by the time of Jeremiah, the people should know the Ten Commandments, right? They were su- they were supposed to know them. They were supposed to remember them. They were supposed to post them. I mean, they, they were supposed to know the Ten Commandments. Agreed? So based off that past revelation, off that past revelation, someone grabbed me a Ten Commandment that would help them with some of their problems that they are currently having in the book of Jeremiah. Okay, yeah, just open open up Exodus 20 and find the verse. Let's just make sure we have a clear, you may want to write this scripture down. Let's just make sure we have it. There's at least, there's at least one or two commandments that we can easily go to just right off the bat. That, That should be at least okay. Yeah, we'll start Exodus 23. Thou shalt have no other gods before me. Thou shalt not make unto thee any graven image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in the earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth. Thou shalt not bow down thyself to them nor serve them for I am the Lord your God. uh, For I, the Lord thy God, am a jealous God visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children upon the third and fourth generation of them that hate me. All right, I mean, that's, that's pretty simple, right? That's pretty straightforward. So they definitely had that revelation. Now we know one of their ongoing problems seems to be idolatry. So, God may not be speaking to them like he did Jeremiah, but they at least, they should have been able to at least figure out what? That idolatry was wrong. Okay? Now, that may help you a little bit better sleep at night. That may help you a little bit better with the philosophical problem, okay? I think it helps some, right? It raises some other serious issues, okay? Next, now, we we could look, we could go from Genesis 12 all the way through. We'll call them the covenant promises. They had all the, the covenant promises have been passed down over and over and over, Right? And those covenant promises basically is, I'm going I'm to make a great nation. This great nation is going to go into a land flowing with milk and honey. They're going to be blessed. They're going to be provided for. Everything's going to be wonderful and everything's going to be great. Now, they do have that past revelation. Now, the only problem, that part of the past revelation, may be the source of the problem anyway, as we've already seen in the book of Jeremiah. Because the prophets and some of the kings are basically like, that's why they're not listening to whom? They're not listening to Jeremiah because, like, God gave us all these promises. Why would you say we're going to be judged and condemned? So they would be actually using the past revelation to argue against Jeremiah. Okay. okay. Well, they're not doing the law, but was the covenant based off the law? Yeah. So I mean, well, this gets into a whole issue, right? Okay, so. They had that, but they also had something else that they should have remembered. Does anybody know that there's a there's a like what three or four chapters? They're given the message right before Israel goes into the promised land. It's maybe one of the most significant couple of chapters, especially for the nation of Israel. Deuteronomy, anybody know which chapters? No. It's the famous chapters that give them a very contrasting possible results of how things are going to go for them. Starting, I think it's Deuteronomy 28, we could possibly go all the way back to 27, okay? Right. Right. There's all these curses starting even as early as 27, right? Curse, 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 curse. There's all these curses, right? I mean, look at the end of 27. I think start in like verse 15. Cursed is used in almost every verse uh, all the way to the end of that chapter, right? And it's cursed if you don't do what? Look Look at the last verse of 27. Cursed be that confirmeth not all the words of this law to do them, and all the people shall say amen. So, in other words, you're cursed unless they do what? Obey every law perfectly. Oh, now immediately they should have already realized we're, we are in trouble. Now they don't understand it yet, right? But we know if, as the person reading the Bible, you know, what do you know right then? They're going to be cursed. Now, this is this is the part that... Now, this creates another philosophical problem. Why would God give them a law that they cannot keep, knowing that he's then going to have to kill them for not keeping it? Oh, that is some troubling stuff right there. Right? Then what happens in 28? And it shall come to pass, if thou shalt... Chapter 28, verse 1. And it shall come to pass... If thou shalt hearken diligently unto the voice of the Lord thy God to observe and do all his commandments, which I command thee this day, that the Lord thy God will set thee on high above all the nations of the earth. And all these blessings shall come on thee and overtake thee. If thou shalt hearken unto the voice of the Lord thy God, blessed Shall thou be in the city? Blessed shall thou be in the field. Blessed shall be the fruit of the body and the fruit of the ground and the fruit of thy cattle, and the increase of thine kind, and the flock of thy sheep. Blessed shall be. And you just you get the idea? Blessing, 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 blessing. Do we see all those blessings? Now, we almost feel that, at least in the book of Jeremiah, again, going back and trying to go through all the chapters, I don't have time to do, run a never-ending source of cross-references. You'll have to take my word for it. Seems like some of the prophets and some of the kings, they remember the blessings, do they not? They remember the, all these promises of blessing. So when Jeremiah comes up and basically says, you're going to suffer... They think, wait a minute, why would you say this because we're going to get all the blessings. But those blessings are what? Conditional. Now the now the messed up part is that what? It is impossible. It is impossible. Because what's what's the what do they have to do to get the blessings? But it, moving in the right direction is not what the law demands. The law demands perfection, right? Demands perfection. Josiah instituted reform. It didn't. Doesn't matter. God demands what? Perfection. All right. Perfection. So, so but, but you can see, now, we've got to be nice here, right? Because it's easy to criticize the people here. It's easy to criticize the people like, well, they had the Ten Commandments. Well, they had Deuteronomy 28 that says curse and blessing. And then chapter 29 does the cursing again. So they know this. And it's easy for us to criticize them. But um, how well do we do remembering? Right? I mean, I mean, we've talked about it plenty of times. Most people don't even remember a sermon that is preached. So, can we get mad at the people for not remembering? You say, "Well, they should have remembered." Well, then you could argue you should remember. Well, yeah, they—they're still doing that. Well, they, I think it was a mixture. They were, in one minute, they're worshiping over here, and I think the next minute, they're doing the other. They, they, they constantly did the two, in some cases. So, they, they were being spoken to through past revelation. What are those past revelations? Ten, Ten Commandments, the covenant promises, and then, I'm going to call this the promises and warnings of Deuteronomy 28. Now, that's great that God's speaking to them this way, Right? God is got us speaking to them that way and there's a part of us that makes us feel better right we're like oh well good 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 because now i, I don't i can sleep at night they got exactly what they deserve right they were war- warned right that's that's how we say it. now of course I, I i don't i don't maybe maybe you think that's good or not but here's what i would say what is always this revelation that was given to them This past revelation was given to them in some ways, in some kind of a written form, right? In some ways, right? Some of it would have been possibly written down and posted somewhere, possibly. Some of this was passed down through oral teaching. But this past revelation would all be subject to one major problem, Well, they can't do it. Okay. That's, that's just the overall, like, that's the, that's the philosophical problem that you can never escape from. God gives them a law that they can't keep and then kills them for not keeping it. That is some, I, I, look, I will never understand that in a million years. That is the most, you, you could say that's the most twist. Like, when anyone, if you're ever going to criticize another religion, you better be very careful. Because your own religion says God gave them a law and then killed them for not keeping the law that he knew they couldn't keep. I mean, that's some messed up stuff if you want to be honest with, with it. If you even, I know we're not supposed to be honest with it in the church. That's hard for me to grasp, right? But let's set that philosophical problem aside. We're just talking about this, this kind of a revelation problem here in the book of Jeremiah. He gives them a revelation, but this revelation would be subject to what possible problem? No, I'm saying they they even if they know it, even if they have it. No. Nope. Starts with an M. M I S. No. M I S I N. Misinterpretation. Remember, I've I've tried to point this out. We've already pointed it out earlier in Jeremiah, right? What do they do with when Jeremiah tries to give them the revelation? What do they constantly tell Jeremiah? We're okay. We get the blessings. They're literally using the past revelation as an argument against Jeremiah. Meaning they're doing what? Misinterpreting it. You have got to understand that is a problem, right? Having past revelation is. Look, do we not have revelation here, right here in the Bible? What's the problem? Okay, well, not only misinterpretation. Is there agreement on it? Okay, if there's not agreement on it, do you think there was an agreement on the interp- the uh, revelation of the past? Okay. Oh, No. I hope y'all don't think that there was an agreement. Obviously, there was an agreement because the people in Jeremiah's day were using the past revelation to do what? Argue against Jeremiah. It was an argument of interpretation. That's how they were seeing it. Does that make sense? All right. So so the first hypothesis is that he spoke to them in the same way is he spoke to Jeremiah, and the problem with that is no record of it happening. In fact, there's actually record of them clearly not speaking to them, and why would he send Jeremiah? The second possible way God was speaking to them is through past revelation. We do agree he was speaking to them through past revelation. That we can agree on, yes? They should have been able to determine at least certain facts. The only problem with the second way speaking to them is it leads to misinterpretation. Lead to misinterpretation. Could God fix the misinterpretation? How could he have fixed it? He could have spoke to them like he spoke to Jeremiah. See, so no matter how we, I want to make sure we just go back to this, right? If someone's getting ready to say, Jeremiah, we've got the covenant promises. God could immediately speak to them and go, and you're not fulfilling the requirements to get those promises. And then guess what? They would go, oh, wait, God just told me I'm wrong. God doesn't do that, does he? No. All right, number three. If we go to the third possible, is that they falsely believe God was talking to them. Maybe the kings, maybe the prophets and the priests all believe God was talking to them. Maybe they truly believe God was talking directly to them. Now, maybe we see this kind of hinted at in Jeremiah 23, 16. Go back to 23. Maybe. I don't know. Depending on how you want to interpret this. Okay. Um, Let's see. Well, do we want to go all the way back to 20? Oh, I'm in Deuteronomy. I'm like, no wonder that makes no sense. Okay. I was like, what happened? My reference must be wrong. I'm like, that makes no sense. All right, here we go. Now this makes more sense. Deuteronomy, or Deuteronomy, Jeremiah 23, 16. Everybody there? Thus saith the Lord of hosts, hearken not unto the words of the prophets that prophesy unto you. They make you vain. They speak a vision of their own heart and not out of the mouth of the Lord. They say still, they say still unto them that despise me, the Lord hath said, you shall have peace. And they say unto everyone that walketh after the imagination of his heart, no evil shall come upon you. Now, please note, the prophets are claiming who, where did they get their message from? They, they are claiming God speaks to them. Does everybody see that? They say still unto them that despise me, the Lord hath said, you shall have peace. Right? For who stood in the counsel of the Lord and hath perceived and heard his word, who hath marked his word and heard it? Behold, a whirlwind of the Lord has gone forth in fury, even a grievous whirlwind. It shall fall grievous upon the head of the wicked. The anger of the Lord shall not return until he have executed, until he have performed the thoughts of his heart. In the latter days, you shall consider it perfectly. I have not sent these prophets, yet they ran. I have not spoken unto these prophets, yet they prophesied. But if they had stood in my counsel and had caused my people to hear my words, then they should have turned them from their evil ways and from the evils of their doings. And well, that, 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 verse 22 is even more disturbing because God seemingly to say, if they would have spoken the truth, the people would have done what? Turned and therefore they wouldn't have died. So it creates even another problem. Well the prophets will suffer too the kings will suffer too but the people will pay the ultimate price. Right. Oh absolutely. Oh absolutely. At this time this at this time you clearly the prophets are are going to be to be blamed here. There's and the kings are going to be blamed, right? No question. In fact, that's why 23 goes after those two groups of people. But the people will pay the ultimate price. Oh yeah, it it, it, it even makes it even more complicated, right? So, but let's so number 3, they falsely believe God was talking to them. So, I I think you may have some indication that they really thought God was talking to them. Now, what what's the question then we have to ask? Why did they think God was talking to them? Well, yeah, true. But why, why, why? I, mean, I mean, do we have, I mean, we can speculate. What would be your speculation? Were they just straight up lying, knowing God wasn't talking to them? Or did they really know, or they really thought God was talking to them? And if they really thought God was talking to them, then the story becomes even more disturbing. Because how quickly could God have fixed that? Well, right. But they're claiming God's speaking to them. So, I mean, do we think they're lying? No, they think it. All right, they think it. Well, whether they're lying or whether they think it, how quickly could this have been fixed? Oh, because God could have just done what? Spoken to them like he spoke to Jeremiah. And th- I want you to go back to that verse we just read. In fact, God says exactly what would have happened if they would have heard from him. 23, 22. But if they had stood in my counsel and had caused my people to hear my words, then they should have turned them from the evil way and from the evil of their doings. God knows that if the prophets would have had the right words, then the people would have repented. Therefore, guess what? No one would have had to die. I don't know about you. That should bother you tremendously. All right. we we we, we got got one more because uh, our time is running out. Here we go. All right. So number one, our first hypothesis is he spoke to everyone, just like he did Jeremiah. We've got major issues with that and it falls apart. Agreed? Number 2 they had past revelation which we do agree they had past revelation we do agree that right we do agree however it could be misinterpreted right number 3 now i do agree and, and robert did bring up a good point that past revelation let's let's do let's we we need to make sure we do understand this they had past revelation but they it's not like everyone could open up their bibles and flip to exodus chapter 20 right so that revelation however they you know well, how much they knew or didn't know when it comes to the average p- people. Between the religious leaders and the civil leaders, they should have known that past revelation to some level, especially the religious leaders, all right? Now, number three, they falsely believed God was talking to them. They falsely believed God was talking to them. Now, we, we I don't know if we have agreement here. It sounds like we may have some disagreement. I don't know if they're just straight line, or I don't know if they actually think God is talking to them, but we know this. God didn't talk to them. They were wrong, and God could have fixed it in literal seconds. And then number four. He spoke to the kings and to the people through Jeremiah. We all agree that that Jeremiah is sent to give them a message, and and we do know that it comes from God. How do we know it comes from God? God tells us. If you're hanging out on a Friday and you've got, hey, there's some crazy prophet outside yelling and screaming that we're all going into captivity and we're all going to be judged, how does anyone there know that it's from God? Nobody has any way of knowing it's from God. Well, Definitely definitely the kings and the prophets are in all kinds of trouble here. I completely agree. In this point in time, but it's sad that the people have to suffer, right? Yeah, I mean, the people pay the price. It's all messed up. that the past revelation that they were supposed to have believed was coming down from the same people that are now passing: Oh, that's a good point. That even makes it more complicated. right? All that past revelation was handed down by whom? The prophets and the kings. and now those are the very people giving the people. The wrong message. <laughs> well, right, right. I, I, I'm just saying that this, this whole thing is a mess. The whole thing is a Like, you cannot read the book of Jeremiah. Oh, I'm going to put it this way. Obviously, Christians can But no reasonable thinking, logical person can read the book of Jeremiah and not want to throw up their hands and go, this makes absolutely no sense. Because you're like, well, hey... God sent Jeremiah, yeah, and they would have been argued that those other prophets and priests were sent by whom God in fact who who, who passed down that past revelation it's, Stacey just pointed it out. The very religious leaders that now they're not supposed to listen to. Well, if you're not supposed to listen to them now, why were you listening to them in the past to get the past revelation? So all of a sudden now, all the religious leaders can't be trusted and just some nobody just shows up out of the blue and starts telling everyone, you're all wrong. The, the kings are wrong. The religious leaders are wrong. Everyone is wrong, but whom? Me! So, this all leads to one big question. What if God would have spoken to everyone, the, the kings and the religious leaders, like he did Jeremiah? What would have been the end results? Well, I, I don't know. Do, do, are, are, are we sure we don't know? Are we sure? Well, they, they can't obey it. Now, that's true. But I'm just saying, we do have this verse. But if they had stood in my counsel and had caused my people to hear my words, then they should have turned from their evil ways and from their evil doings. God seems to imply that they... They would have, but I do agree with you. Even if they would have, it would have been at best temporary. Right. right. Well, we we just know we just know that nobody can keep God's law. We just know. So even if they would have, but it still leads to. I mean, there's no way to get around this. I mean, we do know going all the way back into the Old Testament, it, it's prophesied, basically, that these people are going to fail and they're going to be judged. But, I mean, it's just like, why would God then give a law that he knows they can't keep, then not do anything to interfere in any way, shape, or form to prevent the very death and destruction that he's going to bring upon them? I mean, there's, there, there, it's almost as if the death and destruction is what? What? part of the plan. Which, that's totally messed up. Because that means there was, these people had no hope. There was no chance for anything. But that's, this is the problem you have to deal. Like any pastor who goes through Jeremiah and not willing to engage in this problem is, is, I'm sorry, you didn't study the book of Jeremiah. You didn't even, you, I'm sorry, your church didn't study Jeremiah and you were, you were straight up lied to because anyone reading it should be like, this is a major problem. This is a major problem because we see it over and over and over again. All right, let's pray. Lord God, we come before you this morning. Lord, we just stand completely confused, bothered, disturbed, by the entire situation that plays out in the book of Jeremiah. We know it's your ways and not our ways, your thoughts and not our thoughts. And if there's ever a time that we can feel the weight of that, it's when we are confronted with this entire situation that we feel you could have easily resolved and fixed. We don't understand it. We are humbled by it. And I pray that we will just continue to struggle with it because maybe it's within the struggle that we we actually grow more uh, and being willing to confront these realities instead of hiding from them. And we ask that you just be with us as we continue to study this very complicated and difficult book. And we ask this in Jesus' name. And God's people said,